Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to Aquachore. Season one follows my account of leaving the UK and moving to Australia almost six years ago. The first season is a narration of a blog that I wrote when I first left. You can read the blog at grahamcreynolds.wordpress.com. Let's dive in with episode one which talks about the journey from the UK to landing in Sydney uh, in December 2013. I hope you enjoy it. Dad and Gemma dropped me at Colston Hall where we had lunch, which was basically just sandwiches and tea and coffee. I couldn't bear to have them wait for me at the bus, so when it turned up, I said my farewells in the foyer and I left. We were all extremely emotional, but I made myself hold it together. If the last year had proven anything to me, it was that the less you cry, the easier things do seem. The bus was incredibly easy. It was very comfortable, very warm and quiet. I put the cat empire on straight away and I was immediately calm and inspired. I just sat there, eyes closed, snoozing away. It was great and a bargain at £7.50 one way. At four o'clock on the dot, I arrived at Victoria Station. I left the station and I turned right, knowing that it was the wrong way for the tube, but really wanting to stretch my legs, take in some fresh air, and enjoy the, the really lovely London early evening. I stopped at a little coffee shop and I had a flat white. I decided to leave and made my way to Gareth's at about half past four, so, so as to get the tube before rush hour. It was £4.50 from Victoria to Brixton, and it was an easy five-ish stops on the Victoria line. I got a little confused when I was walking around to Gareth's house, but I soon found my bearings. There was no one home at about half past five, so I headed up to the commercial, a pub in Brixton, and I got myself a pint of Peroni. Here is where my first leg ends. I once again wait for Gareth, and I'm only able to afford one pint. All my money is now in Australian dollars. So far, I feel fine. I'm glad I've split up the first step into smaller chunks. It's scary, but my life is now in one bag and the possibilities are endless. Tuesday the 3rd of December. Gareth and I didn't do much but sit in front of the TV waiting for the clock to count down. He's become somewhat obsessed with GoPros so he spent a lot of time researching them. I went through all my gear a few times and paranoid that I haven't done something but I guess it's pretty much too late now. We decided to leave at around about 4pm and we managed it quite successfully given that this actually meant getting Gareth out of the house on time and not three hours after. However, despite our excellent planning, it took us three hours to get to Heathrow from Milkwood Road in Lambeth. Look it up on Google Maps or Apple Maps, it is not very far. The car journey was pretty stressful towards the end. Gareth was worried about petrol and I was really worried about time. We made it through. He's a pro at getting through the London traffic and I checked in pretty much straight away. There was no queue at check-in. We waited no more than 10 minutes, which gave us just enough time to relax and have a pint to unwind. 
Gareth walked me to security where we said our farewells. He's a diamond to have. He's so positive about the whole trip and it made it really easy and the excitement kicked in. I didn't waste much time in duty free. I couldn't really be bothered to carry stuff and I'd much rather be at a bar in Sydney. So I went straight to the gate. I only had to wait about 10 minutes and then I was straight on, pretty much first in the queue. We had allocated seats and I was pretty gutted by mine. I was the inside seat on the four in the middle aisle. Middle-aged guy either side of me, both whom thought they had a god-given right to the armrest. I made a point of saying to the guy on my right-hand side that if he could favour the space he had from the aisle, then it would give me a little bit more room. Unless, of course, he wanted to swap seats. He was pretty good about it. First meal was some stuffed beef thing. It was okay. A roll, salad and chocolate brownie, which wasn't too bad. I did nail a few free beers. Why not? Film choices were pretty ace. I watched Django Unchained for the first time and really loved it. And then I had a quick break, a light snooze, and then watched Inception, which is a bit of a favourite. Same choices to Sydney would be good. Maybe I'll watch Argo, and then I'll have the choice of Up, Wally, Man of Steel, Iron Man 3, that kind of thing. Second meal arrived around about 6am London time, which I think is about 2 o'clock Shanghai time. It was equally as good, if not better. Some kind of pork belly with rice and veg, a prawn pasta salad, roll, Twix and yoghurt. I didn't really fancy it, but I ate it anyway. I've got to make the most of the freebies. I only drank water though. We landed in Shanghai dead on time. I stretched my legs on the fairly long walk to transfers, and once through I just sat there and did some stretches for all over my aching body. It's now half past five here and my flight to Sydney is at 20 past eight. While I was sat there, a young guy came up to me and peered around my shoulder. He looked me over and then said, I need to see your face. Your hair is so funny colour from the back. Brilliant, I've made some friends already. I'm not gonna have a sleep here. Maybe I'll try on the flight. We do fly through the night and I land at about 10 a.m. in Sydney. Both Mark and Kate are going to beat me. I'm pretty blessed to have people wanting to see me on the other side of the world. It really makes the journey a lot easier. I got a really lovely message from Mark saying he couldn't wait for me to get there and a check-up text to see how my first leg had gone. So far, so good. I can't see the updates being quite so frequent once I get there, but I'm super excited to land. The second flight from Shanghai to Sydney was much better than the first from London to Shanghai. I met a guy who was going home for Christmas, who was a semi-pro rugby player from France who had spent a season playing for Worcester when he first moved out of Australia. We chatted a little while we waited to find our seats on the plane and discovered we weren't too far from each other. I had the same dreaded seat again, 63G. It was better though, a middle-aged Chinese guy to the right of me for the aisle side and a three or four year old to the left of me with his mum on the outside aisle seat. The boy was really well behaved for the entire flight. Our meals were pretty good too. I forget what the dinner was, I had a, glass, a couple of glasses of red wine which rather than the beer this time and I watched Iron Man 3. It was okay but lost my attention a little. It may have been because I was so tired. I had a few hours of on-off sleep and woke at about 4am Sydney time. Then I couldn't really resettle again, so I watched Wally and I just sat there dozing away. 
Breakfast came and it was okay. Orange juice, watermelon, yogurt, and egg, bacon, and mushrooms. I had a coffee too, but it was awful. I'm looking forward to discovering some gem of cafes in Australia. Landed in Sydney bang on 10 to 10, but it took ages to taxi to the terminal. Once there, I went to the toilets to freshen up a bit and wash the film of travel muck off of my face. Baggage claim was super easy, and so was the passport check. I have the electronic one, so I can scan mine and walk through. When quarantine checked my incoming card, they questioned what soil I was bringing into the country. I explained it was scuba equipment and was told to see an inspector who, after queuing for 10 minutes, just sent me straight through. Kate and Mark both met me at arrivals and we headed off to Sydney to find the hostel. I'm staying at Wake Up and it has to be one of the best hostels I've seen. Not that I've been to too many, but it is awesome. There's a great social area and reception and then there's seven floors of rooms, bathrooms, etc. I'm on the top floor in a dorm of 10. The guys in the room welcomed me warmly when I walked in. Three from Georgia, two guys and a girl, and two couples from England. They were all really nice and we stayed and chatted for a while before Mark and I headed into the centre for a walkabout. We had to go to the bank, stopping for a beer along the way, which turned out to be in a British pub, which is one of the only places where you can buy pints. It's schooners elsewhere. After sorting the bank account, we walked around and picked up one or two pieces had some food and then the weather turned rubbish. So we headed back to the hostel for a snooze and a shower. My first night in Sydney was definitely a heavy one. We went to the hostel's own bar, side bar, aptly named basement bar, with its entrance on the side of the building. Played killer pool and got buy one, get one free drinks. We stayed here for a few before we, Mark and I, plus a lot of Mark's roommate, left for the Ivy, which was free entry on Thursdays. It's meant to have a pool and we were expecting a big pool party, but we went to the wrong bar. It was a big multi-level bar, which was open aired and had a dance floor on the first floor. So the bars and other levels looked down onto the dance floor. We had a pretty good night and left around five-ish with Carl and Amanda from Sweden. After walking back and getting into bed, stealth-like so as to not wake anyone up, I got a text from Kate saying that she was on George Street, so I got dressed and left again and I met them there. We ended up being out until around at least 6am. Walking back to my hostel in the broad sunlight was interesting and yet the jet lag hadn't really seemed to hit. I was pretty much running on adrenaline. The same morning, I woke up around 11 or 12. The others in the room said they hadn't heard me come in at either time, so I was relieved about that. Mark and I met up later on and decided to walk about for a bit. Maybe we'll hit the beach later on. While reading notices in the hostel, we had to move as we couldn't get a room at wake up for the second night. We met a guy, Ty, from America, who was selling his ex-wicked campervan as he leaves, leaves on the 14th. He was originally looking for about $5,000, then $4,000, but now it's so close that he has to leave and he needs it gone, he's willing to sell it for about $3,800. I said to Mark that I wanted a camper for getting around and for somewhere to rest my head. And if it meant starting work earlier, I'd be down for that. I phoned Ty from Mark's room and offered him $3,500 cash. That day, 
which he said he'd take. Coincidentally, he was out at Kuji Beach, so we grabbed our stuff and headed there. The camper is great, though I don't have much experience with them. It could do with a respray. Mark's friend in Melbourne is a graffiti artist, so I may look into that. But it runs really well. It has new plugs and cables. It has an inverter, aircon. Sold. I told Ty we could leave it until Monday as he still needs to clear his stuff out as he's still using it and I was booked in the hostel until then anyway. Anyway, No money changed hands but we swapped numbers. To settle the deal, Mark and Ty went for a smoke down at the cliffs and then headed for the beach for an hour or so. Mark and I headed back to the bus, stoked that I have sorted out my ongoing accommodation and transport.